Are you tired of the same routine of studying the Bible? Well, we thought so too, and it's time for a change. Hi, my name is Aaron, your host, and with me, as always, is Josh. Hi, so the Bible, you know it, we know it, but how well do we actually understand it? Hopefully a lot better. Yes. After after this episode. Mm -hmm. So talk about about the episode. What are are we going to be covering today? Today we are going to be picking up in Amos 4, and and for those of you just joining us, like random acts of study, what is that? So what we do is, and it'll be towards the end of the portion of uh, this week, we're going to close the Bible. Uh, I believe it's your turn. You're going to randomly open it, yep. and then I'll start reading, and we're going to build a Bible study off of that. Uh, so that's our random act of study. And uh, now we don't, we, we obviously prepare and study and all of that because you know if you're going to, you, you might have some interesting reading. Just like this last time, there was some fact. Oh, that, I think that means oh, wow, they got real good dental, a dental program going on. And <laughs> no, that's not what the passage is saying no, at all. Not. As we're going to see. No. So. Um, so we put together a study, we come back a couple weeks, uh, join you again, we've done our uh, studying, put our notes together, and uh, present a Bible study that was randomly picked each week. Yeah. So that's what we do. So we're on Amos chapter 4 this week, uh, going through that, and this we could, one... We, we could... We kind of talked about this pre-show. Do we want Do we want to read the entire text? Do we, do we just want to hit it? I think your idea of not reading the entire I think, text. Yeah, I think done we, it. we'll do a couple of verses at a time and then work our way through this one. I agree. Uh, and this one's a lot more fun than, than um, in Random Acts of Study. We've, we've pulled some um, genealogies <laughs> and such. So Whether or uh, not no, women should wear head yeah, coverings. Yeah, no head coverings this time. No. So uh, this one's a whole lot more straightforward. So as we get into Amos, though, um, I mean, this is a guy that... Maybe not a lot of people are, are not familiar with. If you're not a Bible scholar, you didn't go to seminary or something like that. Uh, so who's Amos? Because he's only mentioned in this book of the Bible. It's not mentioned anywhere else. Yeah, but it's weird because he has his own book of prophecy, which is even more interesting. Like, what is he, what did he have to say? What was his job? What did he? Uh, what was he sent to do by God? Yeah. And so who's this guy? So who's this guy, Amos? Well, one, he's a sheep tender. Yeah. Two. Well, and to build off of that just for a second, mm-hmm. uh, Go ahead. a sheep tender, he doesn't use the word for shepherd in Hebrew. It actually, he uses the word that literally means sheep raiser. And I think he's kind of making the point of, I'm not a shepherd in the sense that I'm guiding the people, I'm a lot of leader, and if, in the figurative, he's like, I'm not a shepherd by the, the figurative sense. I'm a shepherd like, uh, I raise sheep, you know, the, the ones that say, bah, that, right. that's what I do. Right. And that's that's the importance of going in and looking at the Hebrew. And of course, you can read the Bible front page all the way to the back page and still not fully understand what's being said because you have to look at the original text. You have to look at the original languages. You have to look at the uh, different interpretations and right. translations. So it's rough. Yeah. And so back to Amos. Yeah. Yeah. What sorry. else did he do besides raise sheep? Uh, well, he had uh, a bunch of sycamore figs. Yeah. So he was a yeah. farmer. Yeah. So he was, he was a man of means obviously um, because where, where he was at sycamore figs, uh, sycamore trees didn't really grow. You had to go into more of like the lowlands to get there, which means he had land also. Okay. Right. So that's, that's, you know, my, so, so he's my, a, he's a farmer. He's a man of the land. Mm-hmm. Okay. He is. He is. And he's also not a, a, a prophet. He's not, He's not somebody that you well, would well, anticipate being uh, chosen. I, I would disagree. He's a prophet because he's in the book of prophets. Well, there. up until the point gotcha. where he's called. All right. All right. Oh, okay. So is, he's not a trained prophet. He's he not go a to, trained he didn't go prophet. To school to be a prophet. Yeah, yeah. So gotcha. even even in like uh, uh, chapter seven, verse fourteen, he says, "I'm not. I'm not a prophet. I'm not even the son of a prophet. I don't come from a line of prophets. I am. Uh, what has he said? Um, he's a caretaker, caretaker of sheep and a farmer. Um, right. Yeah, that's it." Okay, he's so, so he's not he's not a a prophet until God calls him to be a prophet, and he listened. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. So that's a little bit of background. Uh, he comes from a small town, uh, Tekoa. It's a Judean town, uh, five to six miles southeast of Bethlehem, and ten miles from Jerusalem. And this is what I mentioned earlier. It's up on a hill, about 2,500 2, feet uh, above sea level. So, okay. and Tekoa is it's uh, not far from the northern kingdom. So right. he's going to primarily prophesy to the northern kingdom uh, and into the southern kingdom, but he's not far away. He, but he, was, he, he would still far. be considered an outsider yeah. in, oh, in, in the north, for sure, especially when he starts laying down the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Tell um, them what they don't want to hear, <laughs> yeah, which no. we're going to get off to right But it's right really here. cool because he starts off 
talking about all the heathen nations, and then he starts talking about the southern, and then he hits the northern. Mm-hmm. And he's doing this in the northern region. So they're all about it. And then all of a sudden, they're like, wait, hold on, what? No, come on, not, not us. We're, we're perfect. We're right. good. Mm-hmm. Look how blessed we are. Anyway, um, how, how do you, I mean, we, we've kind of gone through some of my initial like opening notes. Do you want to just gun through those really quick? Uh, yeah, well, we haven't, yeah. Yeah, and we you've, hit, you've yeah. got a copy of, of my notes yeah. if you'd like. So I've, I've talked a lot. You want to hit a couple of them? Well, I think we, we really need to look at the, the political and uh, or the economic situation in the northern and southern kingdoms. Um, at the time, he, he's, he's prophesying uh, Uzziah is the king in, in, in the south and Jeroboam the second in, in the north. And this is a time of prosperity, well-being. Things are going well. They're, they're winning militarily. Uh, they're conquering their enemies. Uh, pl- uh, economically, things are going really good. People are making money. People are having success. Things are going pretty pretty good for 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 all these areas. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah. For the past couple hundred years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and because of this, the the the, the people of of uh, Israel and Judah are, are feeling really secure. Uh, they're not really relying on God. They're they're, they're they're relying on their own strength, and all of that. As they're they're made wealthy and such, they're living lavish lifestyles, and they're they're not really looking out for the poor. Yeah, and when you when you say Israel, <clears throat> Israel and Judah, you, um, he, what he's saying is they were both Israel. They were just separated at that point in time. Right. This is after Solomon, so it's been divided. Yeah. And this way, it's been divided for a little while now. Yeah. 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 So they they are they are separate entities, but they are also spoken about. Um, not here, but in Amos as, as a whole, as, as an entire group. Um, so yeah, anyway. Alrighty. Um, um, taking a look. Uh, I mean, he started a pro- uh, prophesying around 750 BC and that was, you know, what, what Josh was saying about Uzziah, mm-hmm. uh, and Jeroboam the second. And, and he uses a, a beautiful style of writing. As you read this, it reads very similar to, to poetry, Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. And this is coming from a guy that was not trained, um, to be a prophet, wasn't trained to be a minister or a priest or anything. Right. But when God called him, he answered the call. Yeah. And, uh, and God used him. Yep. I know uh, l- later on my notes, I-, I don't want to ruin it, but later in my notes, you know, I-, I even mentioned, um, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but, um, we'll, we'll get into that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly think that's pretty much all of my notes. There's, uh, Amos is sent uh, there to tell them that God is out of patience and that this period is the calm before the storm. And then from there, I think it's straight into the text. All right. Um, because it is. All right. So, uh, I think we can look at the first three verses first. Uh, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I think so. All right. So you want me to read that? Yeah, go for it. And then just stop wherever you think the notes need to, to okay. hit. So uh, we're going to start in chapter 4 of Amos. Uh, these are the first three verses, verses 1 to 3. Uh, Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring now that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Behold, the days are coming upon you when they will take you away with meat hooks and the last of you with fish hooks. You will go out through the breaches in the walls each one straight before her, and you will be cast to Harman. Declares the Lord. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I moved it. I, I was thinking I, I would have a really good yeah, like, break. Yeah, that's sorry. Just, just a little technical issue. Though. That's why we keep the, the, the backup. Right it wasn't here. a technical right. issue. It was literally I, I, I moved the mouse. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, I, I looked at it as a technical issue. I saw, I saw okay, one, yeah. so right here he starts off, hear this word, you cows of Bashan. <laughs> <laughs> what? Now, Bashan, uh, so you had in your notes, I, 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 since this is one thing we had, yeah. yeah. where's Bashan today? What, where, where would that be? <sighs> the hills of Gilgal? No, the Golan Heights. Oh, uh, okay. In notes. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. It is in my notes. Thank uh, you. There you go. It's the, it's, hill, it's it, the chicken wings. It, yeah, it would be modern day uh, Golan Heights. <laughs> uh, it, it was known for producing fat and healthy livestock. So when he says, you cows of Bashan... So when, when Amos wants to get his point across on these overindulgent women of Israel's capital, because that's where Samaria is, this is the capital city of Israel, the northern kingdom, and he, he's, he's talking to these women who are overindulgent, he calls them fat cows. 
That's what you cows of Bashan means. He's literally saying, you fat cows. Now, Amos gets a lot of criticism for use of this imagery. A lot of modern critics aren't, aren't really happy with it, the way he treats women here in chapter 4. Uh, and actually, you know, we, we were talking about this before, and, yep. and, and it's not in any of our notes or anything, but I think it was a really good thing. is As we get to chapter 4, he's really, at least in the beginning, in the end, he, he talks, oh, Israel. Amos is talking here, aiming his message to the women of Samaria, the capital city. And I think often throughout history, men have always gotten a bad rap because the women would say, look, we're, we're not doing these things. It's my yeah. husband. My husband is oppressing the poor. My husband is bribing the judges. My husband is doing this. I'm just the wife and I can't do anything. And he's making the point that they're doing it because you're you're making them do it you, you're, yeah. or you're supporting them into it. And let's not say making, we don't want to take the, the blame off what the men are actually doing, but he's saying you're held accountable too. You're part of the process. You're part of the problem. You're part of what's happening here. So, um, Amos gets a little bit of criticism here for attacking women is what they're saying. Uh, but those who criticize, I think they miss a few things, a few points here. Uh, first they're focused on body imagery. Yes. Now today you wouldn't call women fat cows. If you're trying to get a point across, no. if you're trying to get their attention, you're not going to call them fat cows. Uh, no. but this is modern body imagery at that, that they're looking at. He's calling these women fat. And how bad is that? Well, uh, historically, um, body imagery has not been the same as, as it is in modern times. Very different. So the problem with that point is that point wouldn't even be relative there. But but Amos isn't focused on body imagery here at all. That's that that's He's not commenting on whether these women are attractive or not, whether they're fat or skinny. That's not what he's talking about. Amos, remember, he's a farmer. I mean, that's how he describes himself. He raises sheeps and figs. That's that's what he does. Yep. So he's using imagery he's familiar with. Uh, Bashan is known for raising the best cattle. It's kind of like saying uh, Kobe beef. Yeah. And we say that that's beef from Kobe. Now now we have Wagyu stuff, but it's similar. But but Kobe beef is is beef that comes from Kobe, Japan. And what's it known for? It's fat. It's very fat. Yeah. yeah. So so the modern equivalent here would be you know you you, you Kobe beef cows. So. The best cattle is fat. So Amos' imagery is of desirable cattle, not fat women. He's not trying to make a picture of fat women. He's trying to make fat cows. And fat cows are a good thing, not a bad thing. And realize this this has a multitude of, of meanings behind it as well. It, it's not just the imagery of uh, fat cows. It's the imagery of luxury. It's decadence. It's um, just being lazy. Yeah, that's how they got to be fat cows. Yeah. But what are fat cows good for? Slaughter. Yeah, and that's the point he's making, the illustration he's making here. There, you fat cows, you're ready for slaughter. Yeah. You pointed these women, you're ready for the slaughter. And just like cows, they're not aware of it. You know, like cows don't know they're being slaughtered as they go. No. They think everything's great at this point in time. Yep. They they think life is good and they're living their best blessed life. And just like a cow, who, who they're overindulging in what makes them ready for the slaughter. Just like as a cow is overindulging and getting fat as they fatten it up for the slaughter. That, that's the picture he wants these women of Samaria um, to see themselves at. And, and, and he, right here, and, and who oppress the poor, who crush the needy. Yeah. The point's not that these women were plump and wealthy. And the point is they gained their wealth by oppressing and crushing those less fortunate than themselves. They were even bribing judges and, and things like that so they could get Well, uh, remember that wasn't them, it was their husbands. Okay, it was doing it. it was the husbands, but so. they were they were causing it to happen. The, in my notes here, uh the the husbands essentially acted like servants. Right, well, that's the, uh, that's the next one he's going to do. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, God saw this and he promised to hold them account for their actions. Like, I see you oppress the poor and the crush the needy and say to your husbands, bring now that we may drink. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're treating their husbands like things. And, and, but the point is not that the, the women are plump and healthy. That it's they used their wealth in a self-focused pursuit of pleasure. Uh, as they have these blessings, as God is blessing the nation, they're looking, how do I make my life better? It's all about self, self, self. It's it's all about, you know, bring me more to drink. You know, they're not looking, how can I make the world around me a better place? How can I help those less fortunate? How can I help those that God has put in my life? How can I help others out? Instead, it's how do I make my life better? Yeah, it's taking excess and just not, it's not redistribution of wealth. It's 
quite literally lack of caring about the people around you that are in need. Right. And that's, that's what, it's clear God very much dislikes that. Yes, God saw this and he promised, promised to hold them accountable for their actions. And then in verse 2, we see the Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Now this is yeah. the most solemn and sure oath that can be made. Uh, God's holiness is core to his very being. So here God swore by his own existence. I have a note here, God's fury. Okay. That's frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, look what he tells them. Uh, in verse 2, they'll take you away with meat hooks and the last of you with fish hooks. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a little bit of, of, of history on like the Assyrians who are going to be the ones that lead them out. Um, they were brutal, brutal. We're talking skin flaying. We're talking... They invent crucifixion. They're just terrible people when it yeah. comes to treating people nicely. And these are the people that are going to be taking God's people out through the holes in the city walls. And they're going to be so numerous. The walls are going to be so broken that they'll be led. Uh, what does it say? Uh, each one straight before her um, and you'll be cast to Harmon. You're going to verse three already, man. You're going fast. Well, you know, I mean, you, you hit the, you hit the fish hooks thing. Yeah, I was going to hit the fish hook. That's verse two. So um, in, in here, God's telling the unrepentant, overindulgent women of Samaria of their coming agony when they would be conquered and exiled by the Assyrians. Like you talk about, one thing the Assyrians did when they would come in and they would conquer a land, they would depopulate it. There'd be a lot of killing involved, yes. Yeah. But what they also do, the survivors, the people, they would take them out of the land and they would take them to another land. And scramble them up. Yep. And then uh, in that land, they'd move those people. You keep the people groups together because um, they, they become productive. But you take them out of their homeland because if you're not... Uh, being oppressed in the land uh, where your grandfather and your great grandfather and all of that, there's there's less need for for an uprising. You're more likely to be uh, easily cowed. Uh, you're demoralized. Demoralized. You're just learning to survive. You have brand new s- surroundings. Everything is new, and you start over again. That's basically the idea. And did, didn't the uh, didn't the leader the, the Assyrian king wasn't he the the person that also took all of these different peoples intermingled them, intermingled them together. What I what I called scrambling earlier. That way, they wouldn't rise up against um, not just demoralization, but they they um, intermingled in a way that um, they they lost the I guess the purity of the bloodline. Well, they lose their they lose their national identity. There you go. That's yeah, what that's I'm. That's what you're I'm still when you you can for. mingle people together, but they're still going to sit in their groups. But yeah, but you yeah. don't have huge nations or cities uh, of these people groups. Yeah, and, and one way they would do this is uh, they're they're going to lead these captives hundreds of miles away. So so how do you get captives to go? I mean, you got you got thousands of them. How do you get them to go where you want? So one thing they would do is they would uh, the captives as they lead them away would be naked. And attached together with a system of string and fish hooks pierced through the lower lip. That's fun. Yes. And here, but you know, when it says here, when they'll take you away with meat hooks and they'll last you with fish hooks, and you're going to see little letters by there. Yeah. Well, the Hebrew words used for meat hooks and fish hooks are uncertain. Doesn't really say fish hooks or meat hooks like we're trying to draw this picture of the Assyrians doing to them. But the idea is death. Or slavery. Well, more likely, though, they paint a picture of being caught with a spear or hook and being packed like fish going to the market. So mm. this fits with the theme Amos introduced with you cows of Bashan a little bit better. He's talking about you're going to be packed like fish going to the market. That's a good thought. You know, in other words, your your cows ready for the slaughter to be taken to the market. You're going to be kind of packed like fish. Now, meat hooks and fish hooks likely come as translations because of uncertainty of this, these Hebrew words and what we now know the practice of the Assyrians. Oh, look, they're they're prophesying that, but more likely is you know you're going to be packed like fish going to going to the market, right? Uh, and they're right. going to be led in a humiliating manner through the broken walls of a conquered Samaria. Sound. Sounds like fat cows being led to the slaughter. You know, you just you it does. bring the thing. But in slaughter here is not necessarily death, but exile. You know, it, it, it's the death of the the life as they knew it, so, and and um, they'll be taken into exile. Now, a lot of them will die, but right. a lot of them will just be exiled. So, about um, Harmon being cast to Harmon, yes. I did. A lot of research yeah, that trying really to figure fun. out that word, and it quite literally only exists 
of this one place. In this one time. Yes. There's there's some commentaries that say that it exists uh, somewhere else. I forget exactly where. Um, but it, it wasn't the same word. It did not show up in any of my search terms. So, And what does it mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so from what I can gather is exactly what Josh said. It, they're, they're, they're led out to slaughter. Casta Harman quite literally means... It was, uh, I found everything from... Dung heap. Palace, which are total opposites, okay? <laughs> uh, one thing I liked it was the idea was they would throw away all of their uh, possessions or things or whatever just to try to escape. Uh, others have it as a uh, literal place, like okay. the mountains of Romania even. Um, they mentioned Her- Herman? Herman? Uh, Not Mount Herman. That's a different one. That's a, n- uh, yeah. well, No, one of, the, one of the commentaries that I was reading mentioned that. Like, maybe it's not Harman, it's Hermen or something well, like Mount that. Well, yeah. okay, Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain in northern Israel, and it's also in the area of Bashan. Yeah, which, um, and, and at that point in time, they would be thrown off. You know, certain people would be thrown off. That was, that was yeah, the direction that, one, that commentary yeah, was going. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's on strong Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't it, seem like it's it. It's something that's been lost to time. The people, when he read it, know it's basically you're going to be taken away empty-handed, you know, uh, you're going to be led, let, led away as captives into exile. That, that's what it means, yeah. And that's the beauty of God's Word. Even, you know, a word that we cannot properly translate from ancient Hebrew, the meaning is still there. Yeah. You know, the, the overarching idea is, is still that they are going to be brought out of there. Right. The city's walls are going to fall. Um, let's see. So I think we'll do four and five. Yeah, I think so. You want to read those ones? I can. Um, enter Bethel and transgress. In Gilgal, multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a thank offering also from that which is leavened, and proclaim free will offerings. Make them known, for you, so you love to do, you sons of Israel, declares the Lord God. So here in verse 4, he says, Enter Bethel and transgress. Now, because Jeroboam, the first Jeroboam, not, not this is Jeroboam the second is a king now, but Jeroboam the first, he was the first king of the north, the divided kingdom, um, because he didn't want people going down to Jerusalem, because God said, set up the temple. Up south. to Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. It, it's down, meaning going <laughs> it, south. It is south, yes, it is it south, is south. Whatever, it's fine. He doesn't want people going <laughs> south to Jerusalem, but it would still be up, because it's always up to Jerusalem. Always up. Correct. Uh, because he doesn't want people going to Jerusalem. They're commanded the temple's built. Uh, every Jewish male three or yeah three times a year Pentecost, uh, Passover, and what was the other one? There's one more fe- fe- feast. Uh, first fruit? No. See, this is what you we should have wrote it down. But anyway, they're required to go three times a year, and uh, well, and um, he doesn't want them going. No. So, so what he does is he sets up in the north and the south in in. in Bethel and and in Dan, Dan, yep, yep, he sets up these golden cows and and says we're going to worship Yahweh here. So Gilgal, yeah, that's where they cross the River Jordan. Yes, so they also set up a, a worship area there mm-hmm. and on the high areas because that's where they like to worship God. Right. So so they did offer sacrifices at these places. They did practice worship of Yahweh. Um, supposedly they're, they're worshiping to the Lord. Uh, Jeroboam also makes a practice of, I'm going to appoint who the priests are. I, the king, will appoint the priest, which was Doesn't not work. how God set it up. Um, but they sacrificed where and how they wanted and not as God had commanded. So it's only a transgression in God's eyes. God's like, you're, you're going through the motions of worshiping me, but that's only a transgression. I, I don't see it as worship. They're multiplying their transgressions as they worship Yahweh. Uh, and then he says, you tithe every three days. Now, Deuteronomy 14.28 calls for a tithe that was to be brought every three years. And Amos says, even if you were to bring the tithes every three days instead of every three years, it's not going to matter. It had become an outward show and not inward worship of Yahweh. Um, a major sign of just how wealthy these people were yeah. also, that they were capable of being able to bring all of this money every three days. Well, he's saying, bring your, he's telling them to do this. He's, he's kind of mocking them a little bit. Oh, you don't think that this, this was actual literal? No, I don't think this was literal. I think, I think, because declares the Lord, uh, no, no, enter Beth. Uh, yeah, it declares the Lord God. So this is a message from God. Okay. God's kind of just telling them, look, even if you do this, it's not good enough. It's not ah. reflecting what's in your heart. You think I can do these things to make God happy. And that's not the point. Right. The point okay. was, if you want to worship me, I told you how to worship me. 
do what I said. Obey me. You're not obeying me. You're not doing anything, you know. Yep. Um, in verse 5, offer a thing offering also from that which is leavened. That 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 threw me for a loop because, oh. uh, as I'm sure a lot of us think. Threw, wait, wait, threw you for a loop. Of all people, I think you would understand the leavening here. <laughs> That that it you like to me. make sourdough bread. Right? I do. I love it. It's so good. So, what do you use for leavening a sourdough bread? You throw some yeast in there. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. You do yeah. ultimately. But and what's then, the ultimate just... source of leaven there? What, what's the what's the ultimate source there? It's the sour fermentation. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's death. Yeah. Basically, and so, that that's what threw me for a loop is they're offering leavened sacrifices or, or uh, yeah, 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 offer a think offering from that which is leavened. That normally would be like, okay, well, I didn't think that they did the whole leavening thing. So well, I learned something actually, new. There's two offerings that include leaven. Did you know that? I did not. And that that's the thing. Two offerings. Now, leaven, what's the big deal about leaven? That, that's the first thing. It signifies sin. That's yes. why. And, and it, at uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread coming before Passover, they have to remove all the leavened bread out of their house for seven days to clean out. It, it's, a, it's a picture of like a spring cleaning but in a spiritual sense. Yeah. Uh, but there's two offerings that, that, that could have leaven. The first was a wave offering made on the day of Pentecost, but this was not a sacrifice that was burned. No sacrifice that was burned could have leaven in it. No sin. Uh, and interestingly, that represents the church, by the way. So. Interesting. And then uh, the offering that accompanied the thank offering uh, that was given to the priest. So the priest could have unleavened, he could have leavened bread with, with a thank offering. But here, Amos is, is mocking those sacrifices. They're corrupt sacrifices, suggesting that they offer that offerings that are polluted by leaven. Just you know what? If if you're gonna go, if you're gonna worship at Bethel and in Gilgal, you might as well just go whole hog and just do whatever you want. Right. So and, and he says, because for you so love to do. Uh, Israel loved their corrupted worship. Yeah. Uh, they were disobedience in their hearts and in their practice, but they loved it. They they loved worshiping God in their way. Well, and with their with their blessings and things like that, you know, they didn't really see anything wrong with any of it. No, and you see, it's wrong to measure worship by how it makes us feel. Yes, as we see here, worship that is corrupted in motive and practice can be something we love to do. It's something that makes us feel good, and ultimately they were they were really just following the traditions that they had been taught, you know, over time. But their hearts weren't right. No. We we have the same uh, thing when we partake of the, of the Lord's Supper. It's very important that you get your heart right before you do this, because of its importance. And right. in, in in God, it's so often what's important to God is what's in your heart. Yeah. It's not what you're doing, it's why you're doing it. You were talking about that this morning, um, Abram um, leaving Ur. And God said, don't, like, leave leave your relatives. Get up, go. And immediately the first thing he does, Abram does, is he brings his nephew. It's like... Well, that's even after, well, first he brought his dad and his nephew, and then they stopped mm. along the way. They didn't make it all the way. And then when he does, he takes a lot, yeah. Yeah. And... and um, now, we don't want to get thinking that worship must hurt or be unpleasant to be holy and acceptable. No. And it's not about what we feel, but that's not the point here. The point is that we do not first measure worship by how it makes us feel. We first measure it by how it honors God. Our measuring line should be God first yeah. and then us last. It honors God. Yeah, the only measure for worship is, is how it honors God because that's the purpose of worship. And if, if God's commanding, hey, do it this way, no, nah, I'd rather do it that way. Yeah. Well, then that... The, and the whole point of it is is bringing glory to God. Yeah. That's what God wants, is glory to God, because he's worthy of it. Nobody else is. Well, the Trinity. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Let's stop God, there for a second. Somebody's going to clip that. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> Somebody's going to clip that one. Don't clip. Come on. You guys. Okay. Oh, you set yourself up. I did. Yeah. It's it's fine. That's why oh, you're my mentor. That's, that's why you're here. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. So I, it's my turn. To, I, I noticed this is how... You had me go first. I get the longer passages. You get the shorter <laughs> pass. You get the one with two verses. I had three. Not two. We're gonna do six to eleven here. So we're gonna, no, I'm gonna keep it rolling. Okay, I've got my backup. Slowly. Here, I lose my place. Okay, but yeah. All right. So we're gonna start in verse six. This is we're gonna talk about that dental that dental program. <laughs> you thought they, yeah. So, but I gave you also cleanness of teeth in your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Furthermore, I withheld the rain from you 
while there were still three months until harvest. Then I would send rain on one city, and on another city I would not send rain. One part would be rained on, while the, other, while the part not rained on would dry up. So two or three cities would stagger to another city to drink water, but would not be satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I smote you with scorching wind and mildew, and the caterpillar was devouring your many gardens and vineyards, fig trees and olive trees. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent a plague among you after the manner of Egypt. I slew your young men by the sword along with your captured horses, and I made the stench of your camp rise up in your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand snatched from a blaze. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Five different things. Yeah. Now, before we start here, and uh, there's a point we were talking about before, because Israel seemed to have enjoyed financial prosperity when Amos ministered, this was probably set in what was called the prophetic present. That would be future events spoken of in the present tense as if they're happening now, um, or even past events. I I was not on board um, until pre-show when he and I were talking about it, and he made a very valid point. Um, I thought that these were things that had already happened. We're not saying that they didn't. But But it would appear that these are things that are going to happen. And he's warning them, when you see these things, no, I'm trying to get your attention. Uh, It may be too late for the nation, but it wasn't too late for the individuals. And Because if you look at this, this is a time of prosperity. If these are things that happened in the past, it would have been God sending this, you ignored me, and now you're prospering now. But I tried warning you back there, you weren't paying attention, but now... There's going to be so uh, often prophecy is spoken this way. So it, 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 it's spoken. I, I gave you. I'll do this. So when you see these things, no, I told you I was going to do this. And, and to further unlock your mind on on this, because it took me a couple of seconds to even consider being on board when Josh and I was, was talking about this. Um, it's it is prophecy. It's not a history lesson. These people know their history. So. That that was something that in my in the back of my mind as we were talking that just kind of hit me like oh okay well yeah we are talking about something that is supposed to be happening or will happen um, or could happen if um, so take take it you know however it it really doesn't truly yeah, it, affect it can it can refer to past events but I think future is yeah and because these things are going to happen to them and. So let's talk about that, that dental program. I gave you also cleanness of teeth in all your cities. Yay, kids. Yeah. It's like this good news, bad things. Kids, you don't have to brush your teeth today. Yeah, holy dental. Yes. It's like, no brushing your teeth. So what he's, <laughs> what he's referencing is the fact that last, uh, last, last episode, I was like, huh, that must mean that they had, you know, uh, a really good hygiene. You know, things were going pretty well for them. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. I'm talking about uh, withholding rain and yeah, people yeah, were, that's were super good. thirsty, <laughs> but you had clean teeth. Yes, they had <laughs> clean teeth because there's not going to be any food to make it dirty. So yes, kids, you don't have to brush your teeth tonight, but you also don't get any food. Don't clip that. Yeah, there's going to be no food to make your teeth dirty when God sends the drought. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and first is God's like, oh, I'm going to send rain on one city and, and on another city I'm not going to send rain. Uh, he's going to make the provision of rain so unique that they would have to know it was from God. Be like, you know, it's raining right here, but it's not raining right there. Yep. Um, yet they didn't get the message. You know, he says, yeah. "You have not returned to me." This is a theme through the through the rest of this um, this passage here, especially in the, what we just read. Now, this was the greatest tragedy. You know, all of us can stumble into sin. And feel God's correction act, correcting action in our life. God trying to get our attention. But the tragedy is when we feel God's corrective action and we still don't return to him. Uh, and I think that's the warning here. Yeah. You know. And, and it is. Uh, in, in times of, of tragedy, generally speaking, the human populace will turn to religion in some way. Yeah. Whether it be God or something else. It's just in our it's in our very nature. So for them to 
for this to be written out in a way like, you're not going to return to me. You haven't returned to me. Even though all of these things are going to happen or potentially have happened in the past, you still haven't turned towards me. It's just, it, it, it goes to show just how broken these people were at that point in time and how continually broken they would be. Right, right. And, and if you look here, like in verses 9 and 10, I smote you with scorching wind and mildew. The c- caterpillar was devouring. I sent a plague amongst you. I slew your young men. I made the stench of your camps rise up. Now, because Israel would not heed the warnings of the Lord, his hand grew more and more heavy upon them. But, but, but one thing we got to say, this isn't a demonstration of God's anger here. God, God's not doing this in anger. This is a demonstration of his love. Uh, he starts his chastisement of them slow, and he increases it incrementally. He's trying to get their attention. First, God sent rain in some places, and then not in others. Uh, it should be clear that God's sending the rain. Like It's raining right there, but it's not raining there. But it's raining right over there. Yeah. You know, This isn't how rain works normally. He's yep. trying to get their attention, and they're not listening. Very, very good point you make there about how it ramps up. You know, the the human body can withstand lack of food for significantly longer yeah. than lack of water. water. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. you, you know, a lot you can go a lot longer yeah, without food, but water can. not not near as long. And then it, it steps into the guy. Well, he affects their crops. He sends a scorching yeah. wind and mildew. Uh, caterpillars devouring. You know, shortage of food should turn their attention to God. Didn't in the reliance on him, you know, the farmer knows that it's got to rain or the crops don't grow. And, and who sends the rain? You already saw me doing it weird ways, but you know, uh, then a plague came and their young men died in war. As more and more people die and they're faced with their mortality, surely they would turn to the Lord. That's, that's what you're just talking about is, is often when we're faced with our mortality, uh, as we're faced with tragedy, someone close to us dying and such, that gets us to turn our attention to God yeah, and, and realize there's more than just us and ourselves. Yeah. Yet they did not return to the Lord. And it seems, it seems severe when you when you write it out and you read yeah. it over the course of just a couple of verses. But right. we're we're talking over time. Right. Um, God's going to use the smallest amount of discipline necessary to turn our hearts back to Him. But but if we won't turn back, the hand of chastisement grows heavier and heavier out of his loving desire to see our repentance. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, um, I mean, that. Oh, well, even, I guess, in, uh, we read through verse 11, yeah, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, we yeah, went so all yeah, yeah, verse you were, 11. Yeah, you were like a firebrand snatched from a blaze, yet you have not returned to me. Uh, Israel's like a glowing ember plucked out of the fires of judgment. Like, well, the, it, like the judgment that consumed Sodom and Gomorrah. I know you had a point yeah. there, yeah. Well, the, the, the whole thing, he's not actually talking about destruction like Sodom and Gomorrah. We're not talking uh, phosphorus balls. No, no, no. And he's like, you were set up for destruction, but I pulled you out of yes. it. Yeah, and they what, were spared by God. Yeah, a firebrand can eventually just melt down into nothing, but right. he pulled them out. He saved them right. because of his covenant promise that he had, uh, what, centuries ago, millennia ago? Centuries, yeah. 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 So yeah. even that, you know, God's not going to forsake his people even in spite of us looking him straight in the face and quite literally spitting in his face. Yeah. Yeah, they, they weren't grateful, and they did not return to God. So that goes through his warnings there. And then you get another short one. No way. Ah, do you, you want to take this one too? No, you can get it. All right. So looking at uh, 12 through 13, this, this wraps it up. Yes. Um, Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel... Because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Oof. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what are his thoughts, he who makes dawn into darkness and treads on the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Ouch. I love that. Prepare to meet your God. My goodness. (laughs) Like, I mean, like, wow. look, look, I know Hollywood, prepare to meet your maker, but uh, Amos had this right off, prepare to meet your God. This is a sober, That was actually one of my notes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a sober <laughs> warning appropriate for men of all ages, men and women of all ages, because yeah. we never know when we're going to meet our God in eternity. Yeah. You know? And here's, here's where, where Josh and I, and we, we kind of looked over each other's notes pre-show. Here's where Josh and I kind of... Um, Disagree is not the right word. Um, but See it differently. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. yeah we feel differently. For me, um, 
Let's see. Uh, Amos is inspired by God to warn that there is no repentance available. Oh, yes, I got you. Yes. No way out of this judgment. Yep. It has been declared inevitable by the Most High. No, we that, don't disagree on that. That's not the part we disagree on. Yeah. It's, on the, the judgment's inevitable. It's going to happen. The, the most important aspect that Josh disagrees with me on is... No um, repentance. No repentance, yes. I don't see that in here. Now, I do agree in the sense that it was too late for the nation of Israel. And that, that in our conversation, I came more towards his side. I agree with him 100%. But I think the point of this warning is God saying, I'm going to do these things. The nation's not going to turn back. And then um, prepare to meet your God when the when the, when it gets worse and worse and worse and you see these things happening. Get ready to meet me. Get, <laughs> get ready. In other words, it yeah. might be too late for the nation. It's not too late for you personally. Yeah, it means God the- always wants repentance. He, he always wants to be... Um, he always wants us to come back to him. That, that's the point of doing this. And this is why he ramps it up. This, this isn't why he just sends the Assyrians to take him out at the beginning. This is why he's giving them a chance. And if they're not going to return, why give them a chance? I think yep. there's individuals that would turn back to God, and that's what he was looking for. Well, that, so that we agree is... on the collective national level, but not the. But I say there's still room for it. We might even agree now. I, I think uh, we do. We just looked at it from different different perspective. Yeah, I, I think we do ultimately because if, if this is, and it is, God's covenant people, um, that would span the entire world, un- uncountable, basically, if they don't have access to the ability to repent, then they're not the covenant people. And so in- individuals obviously have their own choices whether or not to repent. That's what Josh is saying. Yeah. That's why I-, I wanted to even mention my personal growth on this subject alone happened, what, uh, an hour ago? Yeah. Of as I was reading this text, After this you spent is what weeks was, of studying this. Yes, text. Yeah. A, yes, exactly. Um, so, and that that's why I want that out there because there's also people out there, you know, our, our listeners that could be like, oh no, 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 there's there's absolutely no way that there's any kind of repentance from this. Well, not true. Yeah, not I, true. I, I, don't I, think, I was wrong, and that's I, why I brought it up. It's, I don't think it's God mocking them, saying, "Ha ha, there's nothing you can do." I think He's saying, "Look." She, everyone else isn't going to repent. The majority of the people, are, they're going to go down with the ship. You don't have to. Yeah. You, you, when you see these signs, know I'm doing it. Because the Lord of God of hosts is his name right here at the end of th- 13. That's how it ends. Amos emphasized the point by highlighting who's making the point. A God we should never tri- trifle with. He's the God of all creation. I mean, look here. He who forms the mountains and creates the wind. He's the God who's absolutely sovereign over man. Yeah. Uh, and declares to man who are his thoughts. He's the God with all power over nature, who makes dawn into darkness. I always thought that was funny. I would always think darkness into dawn. The other, you know, I'm just saying from a human perspective, I go the other way. But nope, that's yeah, he's he God. He has the ability to bring light and take it away. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm just uh, just saying that's the way I think. But that totally shows that no, God thinks of things totally different than we so do. So what, what's interesting here is is where it says Lord in all uppercases. You've had a point on that in the past. Can you go over that when it's all uppercase Lord? Yeah, and then I would say He's the God who rules above all, treads on the high places of the earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you see all capital L O R D, it's Elohim. No. Is that not Elohim? No, it's Yahweh. Yahweh. All right. Yeah. Got it. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yes. Uh, Elohim is usually translated God. Gotcha. Because okay. it means God, but it can also mean gods. Right. Plural, it, meaning like with little g. Yep. And it's not just uh, two or more. Or it is. It, it's at least two or more. Well, no, Elohim. Okay. The In, word Elohim can be singular or plural depending on the words around it. Got it. Okay. So and that, that's the same I word. To dip it, can into mean, that. it can mean singular, plural. The, the words around it will describe in, in the Hebrew. So okay. in English, we don't know. We just have to go with what the translators put. Gotcha. 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 Okay. So that's pretty. The, the that's pretty much the walking through the uh, the text. So how, how do we apply this today, Aaron? Oh my goodness! Um, eat less. Don't uh, oppress the poor. Don't tell our husbands to get drinks. That doesn't apply to me or you. Uh, I missed the mark on all those, but I do have a few. All right. So um, how, do, how do we apply to ourselves today? You know, we're, so, so we honestly, might not even know where Bashan is. <laughs> so honestly, the don't call people fat cows. Gotcha. That, that's true. Yeah. yeah. What else? Not, not now. It's 2024. Can't do that. Uh, wow. Um, honestly, prepare is, is one of the big words here. Um, it, it can't be understated. 
that we need to be able to prepare. We need to be willing to prepare. Um, Israel refused so many times to permanently come back to God. Okay, hold on. I just want I have a question on that. Yeah, one. yeah, go. Prepare for what? Prepare for the warrior. Prepare, prepare for judgment. Prepare for uh, potentially being separated eternally from... Who's the warrior? See, you just give me... Okay, so fine. All right, so I almost <laughs> wanted to go into this, but I felt like you you were wanting to move forward. But the warrior, so this we're to me... We're all done now, like, so you got to do it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah all right. So when, when you go into um, 12, prepare to meet your God, O Israel, uh, number thir- uh, verse 14, or 13, for behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind. If we go into John 1, 1, guess what it says? Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word uh, was with God, and the Word was God. He created all things. He He holds it all together with the Word of His power. I think that's in uh, Hebrews. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm skipping from John 1, 1 into Hebrews now. Probably. Uh, but it, it's pointing towards Jesus Christ. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So the warrior, Jesus Christ, he's not going to come and uh, pat everybody on the back and say, good job. He is going to come with uh, fire and a sword and sword out of his mouth yeah yeah and it ain't gonna be pretty so that's that's the whole wow prepare well, it, you don't want to be on the receiving end of that depending on your perspective so maybe prepare to be on the right perspective there i mean i think it's gonna be pretty awesome but yeah. it ain't gonna be pretty for the people that don't prepare gotcha um so so prepare basically prepare for jesus coming back yeah jesus and, being the warrior and ultimately how you do that is you believe in Jesus Christ. Paul said it very simply. Uh, we've we've done an episode on this in yeah, the past. Believe in the Lord Jesus simple. Christ and you shall be saved. Yeah, come household. on. Yeah, Acts 16, 31. Which yeah. is funny because we also got 1 Corinthians 11 where women were supposed to be wearing head coverings and now they're fat cows. So this is great. Thanks for the random acts of study that somehow continues to be on like this linear line. Yes. Sorry. But it's always context, context, context. It is 100%. Anyway, uh, Israel Israel refused so many times to permanently come back to God because they would. They would turn back towards him and then they would go off the deep end. And generally it would it would take generations yeah. uh, of, of time. So it is you know very true that time will change things, especially for well, and, and like here like us. He, he's specifically talking to the northern kingdom. And yes. once they went away from the, the David line, the Davidic line they never really had a king who fully followed the lord uh, no. the southern kings did no they, they had eight good kings uh and even their worst king manasseh uh, appears he turned back at the end of his life yep. uh, to follow god so uh, in this northern kingdom once they broke away they really never went back significant recordings of and uh, did evil in the sight of the lord yes uh, there, there's That's quite a few of those all of them yeah yeah uh, so it, it ultimately, it, it kind of reminds me with the word prepare. It reminds me of what we experienced when the towers fell in 2001, September 11th. It's in all of our minds. Like we've got it, you know, branded in our minds. I remember when those towers fell, what happened was we all, a lot of us thronged into churches. They were filled to the brim. There were lines outside. Um, those of us who were there were already welcoming you guys in. Yeah, pretty much. And but the, that's what we saw. We saw this this uh, reinvigoration of religion, of mm-hmm. of belief in God, of trying to find something greater than ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we where we can take all of this pain and anguish and loss and suffering, and run into this comfort that some of us hadn't believed in until that point. Um, and now, I mean, it was maybe it wasn't even a year. Yeah, just a few months. Yeah, until all of a sudden attendance went down. And say what you will about corporate church, it is very important to be around other people who believe in Jesus Christ and f- want to follow God, believe in God, and are imbued with the Holy Spirit. It's super important because that's where a lot of our personal power comes from because we have other people to lean on. Yeah, and one thing is Christians, we're never called to do this alone. We, we are yeah. called to do it collectively uh, and we find our strength. I mean, we find our strength in the Lord, yes. But often, the way He He sends comfort to us is through other people. Yep. Uh, the way He sends help to us is, is through other believers. Uh, and in, in the same sense, we can be that comfort and that help to other believers also. And it, it's so uh, and that's important. what we're called to do. And, and I think going back to the very part of it is one of the problems he had with them is, is they oppressed the poor and the needy, and they weren't, they weren't taking care of people who need to be taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's it's so important um, that he sends angels to watch corporate church to ensure that we're following 
Back to First Corinthians thirteen, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Last episode. All always good way to yeah bring yeah. it. Yeah. So see, I mean, as, as you see, as our studies grow, they incorporate and overlap. Yeah, and so, that, that's the importance of d- uh, digging into the text. The yeah. way that we're digging into the text, we don't script these things. We just randomly pull text, and we could be surprised. Yep. You know, with this next poll that we're about to do, we could be completely just blindsided. Like, uh, well, this doesn't go with anything. And then, but, but, but I got my notes on application, too. I, I wrote these, you know, after I read your notes. And realized I go ahead. Have you have my blessing, sir. <laughs> so, no, prosperity is not bad if, and I have that in capital letters, if we recognize God in the midst of it. But if we fail to follow God in prosperity, God's going to try to get our attention. Now, you disagreed with me as you were reading through this first time, but let me finish it, and I think we'll, we'll come around. God cares what we're doing with our prosperity. Are we serving others and helping those in need, or are we only concerned with ourselves? When we worship God, is our goal to honor God, or is it to feel good how we worship? I like the music today. I didn't like it. I don't like how they sing that. I can't sing that high. I don't, you know, I don't like the boyfriend songs. They use musical instruments or they don't. Oh, yeah. Or, or I don't like which musical instruments they do use. Or I don't like the one, you know, they need to use this, whatever. God cares about our hearts as well as what we do in his name. When we stray, God's going to get our attention. Now, he may start out in small ways and increase the stakes until we repent and are reconciled to him. But if we continue to ignore his efforts to get our attention, it may lead to destruction. And I am pretty sure, those are great applications here, I'm pretty sure each and every single one of us that are uh, present and listening, even in the future, can, can look at that application and say, oh, that's me. That's happened to me. I know personally that's happened to me multiple times, and I never recognized it until, oh, I don't know, earlier last year. And it's not always that we, sometimes we like to look at, oh, God's punishing me for this. No, God's trying to get your attention. He wants you to come back. Yeah, a loving, a loving father, a loving parent, one that loves you unconditionally is not going to harm you for fun right. or for any kind of personal gain. The only personal gain God gets out of us following him is glory. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, well, I, he not only gets it, God already has it. Well, yeah, yeah. All right, so we just see, re- that, we recognize it. That's where I was like, oh, he tries to get your attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> well, yeah, he'll try to get our attention. Yeah. You didn't like that line, but if we fail to lead it, it might, and destruction here, just like we talked about the, the, the cows of Bashan, it doesn't necessarily mean death, or in that sense, it might be exile. It might be and we might we might look at it as total destruction. Yeah, and God's like, okay, now you have nothing. Let's start over. Are you ready to pay attention now? Yeah, so. and, we, and like I said, we've all had something like that happen in our lives. If you have not had it happen, you will. Uh, yeah, understand that it's yeah. it's God working in your life, and not everything is out to hurt you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's there are things out there. Oh, there are things, are, but not God's trying to bring you back. He, he's looking for that. Rec- and the, and yeah. I love how you said God will, will try to get your attention, but you you disagreed with me about their. There being no repentance. You see, you kind of took the other side now. Hey, <laughs> I, I said, I said, I stand corrected. Yep. I, I am, I'm on the side of there is always repentance. You know, in my mind, I was thinking, well, at that point in time, you know, they didn't have the ultimate sacrifice, um, but they still had a way. That was something that in my mind as a child, I always thought because I was never taught that, well, I guess all of the people prior to Jesus Christ dying on the cross were just condemned to hell what kind of god would want that to happen that's unbelievable that's terrible that was my line of thinking because i was never taught any different yeah you didn't read romans i no, and that's that's the thing and i'm not even going to try to defend myself i did not no no and that's a that's a very argument made by a lot of people but of course mm-hmm. paul makes the case that you, you can just look at nature you know there's a god you call on god you'll be saved and then there's all kinds of mechanisms that go there that uh, we can all disagree on uh <laughs> But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quote Paul and leave it at that. Creation requires a creator. Yes. Existence requires something right. that existed. It's just that way. Our human brains are not ever gonna understand that. But it, we can go on a tangent. And there we are. That is it. Amos four. We're 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 and dusted. You thought, and you thought it was gonna go short, and it didn't. Uh, oh man! Yeah, we. <laughs> 
we pulled an hour out of what? 13 yeah, verses. 13 verses. I'm and, sorry. And, and honestly, this one was a lot like the first one we did in Hosea. Was it Hosea 7? Uh, Hosea, Hosea 8, eight. Uh, 1 through 7. Yeah, okay. It was our first one. Yeah. Condemnation of Israel. This this was a, this was uh, this seemed to parallel a lot like that. Different words being said, different things, but... Well, the, these are contemporary, contemporaneous, aren't they? Hosea and, and uh, Amos? I so, yes. Yeah. They're, they're roughly the same. Yeah. same uh, Hosea was for the, the south, right? And uh, Amos is for the north. No, I think no, no. Hosea was prophet. I think I think they did multiple nations each. Uh, um, Hosea was definitely prophesying against the northern kingdom in, in, in the passage we did. So yeah, that that is a, a really cool side note. Amos, uh, if you if you start at the very beginning, um, which I, I kind of wanted to, but well, I guess we are now. Um, he he starts off really really hitting all of the heathen nations, and he's doing this in the the back porch of the northern kingdoms and so the northern kingdoms like, like yeah, yeah yeah give it to it. them mm-hmm. and so he's like i think it's uh, seven seven different kingdoms yeah. uh, you got a, a, i'm not going to try yeah, to name yeah. one but they're in there in like amos 1 right and then he hits the southern kingdoms and they're like yeah, yeah. get them mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's like a nation rivalry going on there right right and remember he was from the south so he went there first and yeah. he's like oh by the way you fat cows yeah <laughs> it's just like it blows your mind so yeah. read it it's a really cool book yeah um, anyway, uh, done, dusted. You got any other notes? That's it. We're, we're, I, th- I think we've completed our study of Amos 4. I think so. And there's still a lot more that we didn't really touch on that, you know, we when we get one. Amos 4 again, we'll yeah. probably do something new. Uh, we'll, we'll probably read five. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, all right. All right so. so with that being said, uh, I pull. Yes, you're going to pull, and I'm going to read. All right, here we go. And here's, so you can see, like, I'm I'm going to pick this Bible up. That way you can see it. Like, yes, there's these bookmarky things. I'm not going to hit the bookmark. Well, the yellow one's going to take you to Amos 4, so don't. The other one's in in Genesis, so at the beginning, so. The black one will take me to Amos. No, the black black one's right here. Oh, I see the black one. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So here we go. All right, see, totally random act of study coming up. All right, here we are. Full revelation. Okay. All right, but it's the beginning, so let's see. Yeah, straight to the the beginning. So let me let me type that in. We are talking Revelation chapter one. Yes. Switch that over so the live viewers and video viewers can uh, read along with us. If you don't, pause it. All right. I'll think, open a Bible. All right. Uh, I was just starting verse nine. Verse nine. Yeah, right, that's what pops in there. Verse 9, the Patmos vision. Yes. All right. Here. Now, what we do is I'm going to read 9. I think I'm going to read the rest of the chapter. Okay. There's one section of my Bible here. All right. Do you uh, want to do it on screen or do you yeah, want to do, do it on the Bible? Screen. Yeah, I'll do it on screen. All right. I'll do the same kind of like But I've got my back motion. up here in case. All right. Um, all right. So I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation in kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Oh. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a tr- sa- the sound of a trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, Thyatira and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Uh, sorry. His feet were... <laughs> Hold on. Right. Uh, were like burnished bronze. Take my back up. There when it go. was right, been made right, right, right. to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. We were just talking about that. Yes, we were. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So that's our passage, Revelation 1, 9 
through 20. Yeah, 20. Uh, now, sometimes you'll see, sometimes we change our passages a little bit. Like, that's not what you guys read last time. Sometimes that's we after may study. Go, we, yeah, after we study, we may add, we may go back a little further, add to it, or ch- chop off the last three or four. We won't this time because actually the last verse is right here. It's the commentary. Yeah. We know, hey, we have a vision, and here's what it means. It's kind yeah. of, this one's kind of good. So, um, talking about those swords, huh? What's that? The, the two swords, talking about those swords. You don't know what's funny? I was talking with somebody today about verse 17. Uh, talking about how uh, some people describe going to heaven and meeting Jesus. Uh, you know, there was a, a famous one of a little boy, you know, um, I won't oh, believe I about yeah. him. And he yeah. climbed up on Jesus' lap, and it was so, and I was like, yeah, and you know what? Jesus' closest friend, uh, probably cousin, the disciple he loved, who was closest to him in life and knew him personally. Yeah, when he saw Jesus, he fell down like a dead man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the that's what um, yeah. lack of oxygen to the brain will do. It's cause um, hallucinations, and uh, there's also oh, you're not talking about John. No, 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 no <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, John was oxygen might make you fall like a dead man, but I think John's terrified. <laughs> Josh, I think is over, point. Yeah. Josh is over here sweating like his air insane revelation was like hallucination. Was yeah, John yeah, was like, I was like, man, this is gonna be an interesting one when I get your notes. Oh boy, yeah. no. <laughs> Send all the uh, letters to Aaron at... Um, yeah, it's Aaron this time. It's Josh yeah, last time, right? yeah. uh, Anyway. So, yes. Um, yeah, was, <laughs> you were trying to get Revelation, weren't you? No. <laughs> I was just trying to go towards, like, the back because we norm- we spend so much time in the Old Testament. Now, yeah. granted, there's a large portion of the Old Testament compared to the New Testament. Yes. But still, there is... A little bit of, of bias towards, okay, well, yeah, I'll start kind of, you know, flipping through the, the last part or the, you know, the middle part or whatever. That is that what we actually pull is completely right. See, I, I'd say try this at home sometimes. So you can understand it, it's a little weird when you're trying to flip it because you're like, now nah, it'll just be totally random. And you're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to hit Amos again. Because uh-huh. you know? you're just thinking, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to hit the same spot. So you're trying to think forward, backward. So try it at home and, and doing a random study where you yeah. flip it. Except here's the difference: since we do it live, we can't cheat. Whatever uh-huh. we flip, I mean, if literally, if it's First Chronicles chapter two and it's just a bunch of names, we're stuck with it. Yeah, and we'll read it again. You'll get to read it. What's that? First Chronicles chapter two. You'll get to read it this time. Oh no! You mean when we get it? Yeah, because I'm not doing that again. But I'll just do the first part that has the names I know. Anyway, um, so so um, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Yeah, yeah, sticking uh, with us all the way. There's through. not really a reason to even try unpacking this one. This needs actual study because there's a lot. Well, here you can. Un- I think Jesus unpacked a lot of it right at the end. Oh yeah, the yeah. seven stars in the right hand, the seven the, the seven stars are angels, are and the seven lampstands of the seven churches. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I guess there's a little more unpacking there, but he kind of explained yeah, that vision yeah. right there. So uh, I think you've got a, a, an outline of the, the the Old Testament right here. I mean, not Old Testament, no, Revelation and such. But, uh, yeah, interesting study, yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be cool. Um, okay, so honestly, the best thing in the world to do is like, subscribe, hit the bell. Yeah, uh, that way you get yeah, notified when we go live. Yeah, like if you're listening on a, a podcast, we're on YouTube now. You you can actually see our. Uh, uh, I don't yep. know why you need to see our faces. If you're watching on YouTube and you're like, you know, I don't, I don't need to see these faces. We are on. We have podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you get a podcast: Apple yep. Podcast, Google Podcast. Google Podcast is actually going to be going away soon. For I believe YouTube Podcast or whatever is going to okay. be taken away because I've I've been slowly migrating everything. Oh, because Google owns YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. that that is all going to be there. Um, right. You can either listen to uh, the podcast in audio format and yes. not have to look at our faces, like Josh said, or it does have it does have both, and but, there's playlists but, for both. Yeah, and, and like I said, it's everywhere. I mean, uh, iHeartRadio. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Spotify. Spotify. Any where you listen if you listen to podcasts you know where you listen to just look up random acts of study we're there subscribe wherever you're listening to and wherever Um, you're listening give us a give us a review hopefully a five star five stars help if you don't like what we have to say don't give us five stars you know write a a comment if you don't like what we say you can still give us five stars and tell us why you don't like it (laughs) but uh, you know regardless if, if you found us great um you know, we're, we're, we're glad you're there. Yeah. And, and by listening. hitting the like button and uh, subscribing, it helps other people find it too. So, yeah. And then and, you know, you've heard this everywhere, but now it's our turn to say it. So. Yeah. And 
honestly, the uh, uh, what, Josh? You're you're heading um, out of the country? Yes, uh, in, a- in in April. Yeah, yeah, in a few few uh, weeks, months. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully we'll be, we're going to try to do one of these while I'm in Kenya. Yeah, that so, one will be interesting. Well, and the the reason I mention that is is some of the support that we get from the show um, goes directly into getting Josh over there. And we've talked about it on the podcast in the past. He goes over there and he teaches church leaders how to preach the gospel, how to bring the gospel to the areas that he goes and he visits. Yeah, usually um, we do like a theological st- uh, training, often Romans or, or, or Hebrews, depending if we've been there before. And uh, Sometimes we do ministry training, basically what the church has asked us to do. But most of the time it's bring the book of Romans here. So we, we do a, a study in Romans and it helps place a, a strong theological doctrinal foundation for the churches. Right. So I mentioned that because on, on the website, randomactsofstudy.com, you'll be able to go to the merch store and support the show and support the mission at the exact same time. Um, if you're on video, Josh will show you the, the T-shirt one more time. I thought it was kind of cool. I can't wait to, to actually wear it. I think Josh is going to get the cap, um, and he can rep it wherever he goes. Um, but anyway, that's pretty much it, fellas. Um, glad you joined us. Yeah. So outro a go-go. All right. All right.